Welcome back to the 40-Yard Line Podcast. Y'all, I'm sure you can hear it. We definitely can. <laughs> For the first time ever, Evan and I, he's still on my left-hand side. Oh, yeah. Still on my left-hand side. But we are now no longer in my living room. We are, yep, that's right, in a brand new, nice little studio set up here at the Moody College of Communication. It feels so professional in here. I'm not used to it. Oh, no, this is like, like we're way in our very heads. Oh, yeah. We've got... Double mics, headphones, it's, it's, it's a great time. The whole shebang, as the, they say. The whole shebang is indeed yep. what they would say. But let's just go ahead and jump into it. We are recording on a Tuesday, you know, back to our normal routine. Happy Valentine's Day to all you all you, all you lovers out there. Oh, I, don't yeah. know, I, I don't know. No, uh, have, just have, have a great day, everyone. You're, you'll have had heard this four days late, I believe. Ex- yeah, probably fine. five, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's whatever. Have a great Valentine's Day. Have a great Tuesday. More importantly, true. <laughs> Without that, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into it, and we're gonna do a quick little five-minute recap on the Texas Longhorns men's basketball team. Yeah. Now, Texas on Saturday, as I told Evan, had a bounce-back game. Very they had bounce back. <laughs> a great performance and a complete and total domination of West Virginia, and led by Sir Jabari Rice having twenty-four points off the bench. Twenty-four is absurd. Texas shooting 58% from the three, taking that game over West Virginia, 94 to 60, getting in. I believe everybody played actually in that game. Yeah, I think it was a full rotation was in. I think the whole rotation got got in there. I think he had a three, if I remember correctly. It was just, you know, 11 men out there. Did I ever tell you that I played against Colbot at Greg Gym? Really? Yeah, he like yammed on like four. Oh, I believe. He's like a D1 basketball player. He's a unicorn, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As much as he doesn't get much playing time, he's a D1 basketball player. No, yeah, but I I had like 18 points for my team once in pickup. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that's my little claim to fame. But anyway, like I said, guys, UT taking that win 94 to 60 over the West Virginia Mountaineers, put themselves in sole possession of first place up until we went to Lubbock. Womp, womp. Out in Lubbock, which is a pretty typical fashion because they have nothing else to play for except trying to beat us because, you know, they with are shade on the 40-yard line. I'm okay with it. It's <laughs> just the thing with Lubbock, and I actually predicted this, and I am not proud to admit it, but I put money against Texas last night because that is one of the most hostile environments in basketball. Yeah. It is one of the most hostile environments in college football. Remember, these are guys that forced a fumble out of Bijan Robinson's hands. Remember that. That's a hard place to play. <laughs> And they have nothing left to play for. They have nothing left to play for because Big Brother's leaving next year. Mm. And Big Brother's going to SEC. Oh, Big Brother. So you know Tech was going to give it at their all. And even though they got a few lucky shots, they did beat us soundly. And, yeah, I mean, they outperformed us. Tech winning by a score of 74-67. to 67. Texas putting themselves and giving themselves a chance in that second half, coming within just a few points in the last five minutes, but just couldn't close it out. Kind of just looks like our guys ran out of gas there. And honestly, Marcus Carr was just sitting out there by himself trying to do all he could. And Marcus Carr, once again, with another great shooting night, going 5 of 9 from the 3. But Texas just didn't have it in them last night. Evan, thoughts? I mean, you know, I'll, I'll throw a little less shade, but it is interesting that, you know, their their quarterback, who is their greatest quarterback of all time, just won a Super Bowl. And that same night they were out camping out for a regular season Tuesday basketball game. That's all I'll say. Um, but... Either way, I mean, it, it was just, you know, we'll start on West Virginia. I just say that game was just a blowout. It was a little too comfortable probably for this Texas team right before going out to Lubbock, which for Texas is going to be the hardest place they play, just as hard if not harder than the Allen Fieldhouse. So it's it was going to be a tough transition right away. And this was just a game that, in my opinion, 
as much as I don't want to sound like, you know, a sore loser who's blaming on luck and things like that. You're talking about me? Bit, no, no, no. Okay. You, you blame on luck. <laughs> a lot, there was plenty of things that went wrong for this Texas team, but at the end of the day, a lot of it was just that the shots weren't falling. Shots they weren't were, falling. They were getting some of the best looks I've seen all season. We're getting open corner threes, open threes from the elbow, layups down, down in the basket, nice cuts for Timmy Allen that he wasn't able to convert on. It was just yeah. a lot of shots that looked like they rimmed out, plays that should have been converted into three points, two points even, and... You know, they just didn't go through. And only losing by seven when you're shooting 39% and it felt like a lot of them should have gone in, not that bad. Obviously, you don't want to lose the team that at that time was last place in the Big 12. And, you know, they had uh, definitely had our number on the offensive class. And in the first half, especially Harmon yeah. played a hell of a game. 20, I say. 21 in the first yeah, half. Yeah, 21 in the first ridiculous. half. Ridiculous. Um, yeah. he, he had a crazy shot at the end of the game, at the end of the first half. So, a full, full props to Tech. They were even playing with some injuries. Pop Isaacs, who played really well against us when they were in Austin wasn't there and that crowd showed out and that was a le- it was hard to hear the commentators yep. even when we were watching on tv and I'm, uh, i was honestly grateful for that because i hate that espn monday night oh for sure yeah oh I'm, he was like swallowing his microphone on air it was, it was, <laughs> he was getting loud he's, he, he knows what he's talking about at least we're not gonna throw too much shade but uh the, there was a yeah that was an interesting broadcast uh either way i mean there's not much to take away from a game where you kind of just lost against a team that wanted it more. I'll yeah. have to say, it felt like they wanted it more, and the, props to them. They're moving up in the Big 12. Uh, they're not quite yet a tourney team, but they're you know beating three straight top 15 teams on the road or at home is crazy. So well done by Texas Tech. And as much as I don't like you know giving them props, they've turned this into a true, true rivalry, which it felt like with Texas you know leaving the SEC to the SEC, it felt like the only rivalry for them was going to be SEC and A&M, but... Tech fans have made sure they're not forgotten, and their teams have done as well. They've, you know, beaten us three of the last four games in basketball, and just this last year in football they beat us. So, you know, good jo- good on Texas Tech, but I'm, I'm a little upset about this loss, I will say. I, I'm upset about it. Um, I'm not hurt about it. I'm To quote Aaron Rodgers, you know, <laughs> before he went crazy off the shrooms and all that, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Mm-hmm. I had, like, five people text me after the game, what does this mean for us? And it's, Evan said it best, yo, we shot 39% from the field goal. And Timmy Allen is usually automatic from those elbow jumpers. Yeah. And Marcus Carr, and he does great from the pull-up jumpers. Like, shots weren't falling. But also, you're never going to win a college basketball game when you're shooting 59% from the free throw line. Oh, true. That just can't happen. That's on Texas. It was, overall, a solid performance, except for just that poor shooting from the field goal and the free throw line. We only turned up the ball six times. Yeah. We... We held it in check, and yeah, it just couldn't happen. We couldn't get it done. Heading into the tournament, that's okay. I think Texas needs to learn how to play in hostile hostile environments better because there were times when they they were just rushing themselves, and it wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'll help. That'll be a little bit easier in the tournament, but the Big Twelve Absolutely. tournament, it's the Big Twelve tournaments here. I mean, Awful. Teams will travel very well for those games. Um, and it's in Kansas this year, right? Yep, exactly. That's so going to be a hard one. It's Yeah, that'll be a tough one. I mean, you know, the thing is that they, they did a lot of stuff well this game. I mean, they, they were assisting a lot, especially in the first half. I remember the ESPN crew uh, had some stat about how much they were assisting, and they were, you know, getting at it on defense. They were having a lot of steals, forcing turnovers, but sometimes a team will just shoot 50% from three and 90% from free throw, and Sometimes you can't guard that. You can't guard ninety percent from free throws, yeah. thirty percent from three. I mean, Texas Tech shot better from three than they did from the field, so yep. it's just hard to defend against that. And then also, like you said, I'm glad you brought up the free throws because we got this game within a three three point game and missed two uh, two of four free throws near the end. I can't remember exactly who they were, but just bad shooting from the free throw line for this team, which 
ended up costing them game near the end. And Texas, you know, we got one game, or excuse me, two games left at the Moody Moody this year, so it's hopefully going to be two wins, but or three, excuse three, me. Three, yeah, it's three. But need to get it done this Saturday again. It's a pretty poor Oklahoma team as far mm-hmm. as Big 12 basketball now goes. Now last place, yeah. But and you, they, you know, they beat the now number one team in the country by, what was it, 20-something? It was like 25, yeah. yeah. And you do need to beat Iowa State, and then you just got to hope Baylor Kansas makes a mistake somewhere along the way. But if not, I think we will. There could potentially be those last two games for TCU and Kansas. That could very well be, you know, three, four teams are playing for first place. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that transitions us. We even hinted a little bit about it into our next little segment about Texas football schedule for 2023 because <sighs> this is going to be the last Texas t- schedule in the Big 12. Thank as God. It now looks like the uh, SEC is fully going to be the 2024 summer is when we're going to see them join the SEC. So that'll be very fun to watch. And, you know, I, I will say I'm overall very happy about it, but I need to air some grievances with whoever decided this, especially Fox, because Michigan was supposed to come to Texas in 2024, my last year here, and play against the Longhorns. I would have gotten to see Michigan in my home, then about to be Alba Mater's stadium. My family could have come down for that game, all the Michigan fans of my family. Nope, they're moving that game to Ann Arbor, and then Michigan doesn't come to Texas until 2027, which I'm not a fan of. And, you know, I agree with Evan, but also now that we do have our second other podcast, we are talking about the SEC move on that one. So... As yeah. much as I want him to be grumpy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as much I sh- as I that's why I'm only, I'm only being grumpy. That's it. I'll, I'm being grumpy here. That's it. No, we will talk more about that, but that was actually just so y'all know, but you're going to hear about it more anyway because you're going to listen to our second of podcast. Of course. Yeah, like, why, why would you not? <laughs> Real. Nice. Uh, you're going to hear about it, but that was just due to the fact that they didn't want ESPN to get that primetime game and they yeah. want ESPN to get it because Fox, all they've got left now is the Big Ten. Yep. So they need to save it because they're going to lose some money. Yeah. But anyway, regardless, SEC, it's official, it's confirmed. That was really evident in our schedule that we got mm-hmm. this year because, wow, it's it's a really terrible schedule. Yeah. I think we just got, you know, I think we got a little greedy because we had TCU and Bama this year. But to be fair, who expected TCU to actually be a good game? Yeah, I mean, that's like true. Season, but, so. yeah, two top five matchups this year. We got two top five matchups. We got lucky, and so be it. Why not? Evan, go ahead and give us a rundown of that schedule, and then he and I are just going to give us some brief thoughts, and we're going to go ahead and give us your 2023 Big 12 standings. Wow. The entire Big 12. I don't know we were doing that. Oh, no, 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 no. Just us. Just Just for Texas. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, so the first game starting on September 2nd is going to be versus Rice at home at DKR. You know, your standard. W. Yeah, that should be a win for this team. Uh, if Unless we lose to like Rice, A&M. yeah, 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 they would they would lose to team like Rice. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, um, <laughs> then they're traveling to Tuscaloosa to finish that second part of the Alabama series. Yeah. That's going to be a tough game. We are going to try to be in Tuscaloosa for that game. I think we are. Um, yeah, I'll give you an update on that later. Yeah, but yeah. I think we're going to be good for it. Yeah, but that should be something we we try out. Um, and then playing Wyoming at home, another kind of you know first games of the season. Get that out, and then Big Twelve play starts on the twenty third with Baylor at Baylor, which is going to be a tough game. I think you know Baylor will be a little bit better this year. That's going to be a rough one to try to win. And Dave Aranda is probably going to turn that program around a little bit this season. Uh, not an easy first Big 12 matchup. Mm-mm. Then you get Kansas at home. You know, Kansas kind of had a great year this year, but easy it tailed win. off at the end. Easy Maybe a, probably a win. Then Oklahoma, obviously in the Cotton Bowl. That's never an easy game, no matter how good each team is. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. And then we're traveling to Houston, which is going to be the first of our uh, new SC or Big Twelve, excuse me, yep. new Big Twelve members that we play, and then we're going to play at home against BYU the next week. Uh, that's going to be our first look of you know the new look Big Twelve Houston and BYU teams, which I'm not sure how great they're going to be next year. I honestly don't didn't follow much of Houston and BYU lo- this past year, but 
that's going to be an interesting thing to see in um, a Houston Big 12 matchup. The week before we played UTSA, it was either the week before or like two weeks prior, Houston yeah. took UTSA to um to overtime. Okay. So um, if I remember correctly, because I watched like four of their games, they got they got a heck of a ground. Gotcha. Heck of a ground, yeah. But also that one... I would expect. Um, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I could totally see that game getting flexed to NRG Stadium. Really? Because as of right now, that game is set to be in Houston, which means they're only going to give out you know like five thousand student tickets. They're not yeah. going to give out a lot, and they're going to want people to show up, and people are going to want to go to that game because it is Texas, and it's their last chance to play Texas. So I could honestly see First that, that game getting flexed to the NRG yeah, Stadium. Yeah, that's actually a good and point. It could easily sell out. And then you know after BYU, they're going back or staying at home against Kansas State. Kansas State won't have Deuce Vaughn anymore. Hopefully that team is not as good uh, because they've they've caused this team problems, not this year, but you know, that's a, that was a great team this year uh, that won the Big 12. And then they're going two road games, TCU, Iowa State. At TCU is going to be tough, even though they're losing a lot of players. And then they're ending, you know, I thought this was great. They're ending at home against Tech, which that should be a fun one. I hope I can make that game because that's around Thanksgiving time in November, mm-hmm. but uh, that's going to be a fun one to end the season off. and That's my that's, mom's birthday. Really? Yeah. Man. So we'll, we'll be there. We'll, ha- we'll be there for Happy it. early birthday in, was that, nine months? Sure. Um, either way, sure. that's the full schedule. We're playing two of the new teams. We won't be playing Cincinnati or UCF. Um, and there, there's a few teams that, you know, we won't be playing in general. Oklahoma State's probably the biggest name that we're missing out that's, of this. That's I'm so upset about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's probably one of the better teams. So mm-hmm. uh, that's also probably a good for UT. But yeah. I think what we're one of the things I think we're going to both agree on. We haven't formally talked about this yet. Is that this schedule, especially with the Houston BYU additions, looks a little bit easier than last year's. And in general, the team should be better than last year's. So this looks like I, I don't want to be that Texas fan, but it looks like they're they're going to be in for a lot of wins this next year. All right. Well, as you guys know, <laughs> I'm never afraid to say something. No. Nope. <laughs> probably bite me in the ass later. No. Nope. Oh. <laughs> I'll say it. Um, I see one loss. Wyoming, I do think they're going to keep it very competitive. Okay. I do think Wyoming will keep that game competitive, but I do think Texas will somehow pull it out in the fourth quarter. Um, Opposite of what Texas usually does. Opposite of what Texas usually does. I just, I feel really, what's the, um, this is the first time in, I think, ever I felt good about Texas going into the season. Hmm. Uh, as we head into spring ball, which is, you know, already starting to be gone, but then we're only a few months away from getting our spring game. There's just a sense of not even confidence, but just a sense of peace now among the Texas locker room that now has a coach that knows what's up. He knows what he's doing. He's got two of the best quarterbacks in the nation probably over the next five years in his, in his room. Hopefully, at least. Hopefully. He's got Malik Murphy. Ewers, if you all haven't seen him, he's looking fit. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's slimmed down a little bit. He looks like he's put on some muscle. It also definitely helped that he shaved the, the hair and the beard. I'm personally upset by that. <laughs> I'm personally upset by It'll that. It'll be back. He can grow it back. I told Rhea I was going to grow a mullet if he had kept it, but now I can't get but a now mullet. Now you can't get a mullet. Unfortunately. I guess she's the loser in that scenario. Yep, exactly. It just on her. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, either way, this this is a more talented roster. Than it's a more talented it. roster. It's a roster that has retention. Mm-hmm. We did not lose too many guys to the no. portal. And it's a roster that was had an offensive line that had two starters that were freshmen that now have a good amount of snaps under their belt and have gotten stronger. We have a defense that has a returner in Jalen Ford, Ryan Watts. Uh, excuse me, who else? Um, who else am I thinking of? Like big names. Oh, like Baron Sorrell is Thank another you. one. Yeah, Johnny Barron. I don't know why I couldn't No, you're good, you're good. Yeah. I, it's just, 
there's retention this year, yeah. and these guys know what it takes to win now, and they've proved that they can keep it competitive in the home stadium. It's just what they can do on the road. and But there's not a lot of road tests, which yep. is why I feel good. And, I mean, I really, I really personally feel like our biggest road tests are going to end up being, uh, you know, obviously Alabama. Yeah. Um, although I am interested to see, like, obviously it is a Nick Saban-led team. But it's going to be different. It's going to be a different Bama roster. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. you know, losing a lot of guys this year in the NFL draft. And, of course, no Bryce Young, so I'm so happy about that. Thank God. <laughs> I do think, though, Iowa State, they're going to give us a tough time. Baylor's going to give us a tough time. And TCU Alabama's going to give us a tough even. time. But, I mean, we're not going to hostile environments. No, no. You know, we've beaten TCU with a very poor Texas team two years ago. Yeah. And we've kept it close with Baylor with a very poor Texas team. Up until there was like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, I Texas is going to go ten and two this season. Wow, Texas is going to go ten that. and two this season. Ten and two. I mean, yeah. that's that's in my opinion is the dream scenario. Is I think. I mean, I think nine and three is going to be more realistic. But I think if this team hits their strides and Quinn Ewers ends up being the quarterback we all think he's supposed to be, which I mean, uh, yes, we lost, but in that Alamo Bowl. It was evident that it was there, the potential. If this running game gets it going within the first three games before non-conference, or before non-conference play yep. ends, and if Quinn Ewers is the guy that we all think he's going to be, we're dropping it to Bama. And honestly, we're dropping it to TCU or Iowa State. You think we split those? I think I think we split TCU or Iowa State. One of those. Uh, just back-to-back road games are never really good for Texas. Mm-hmm, yeah. T- TCU is obviously still going to be riding a little bit of a high, but they also had a lot of really solid transfers come in. And also, I just think that Iowa State is just one of the most just saddest places to play. <laughs> and you will always play down to the level of competition, yeah, yeah, it's, which Texas is nefarious for. Notorious for. That's, yeah, nefarious. That's a, that's not a word I expected to hear. Yeah, yeah, I take it back. I'm going to notorious. I think 10-2 is a dream scenario. I think 9-3 is more realistic. But I'm thinking 10-2 this year for the Longhorns. You know, I think coming in, if you had asked me before, like I just look at the schedule first time, what exactly is going to happen? No thinking. Nine and three is the first thing I'm thinking because you know Alabama for me is a loss, even though you know I want to be confident for that but game. You have to chalk it. You have to be real. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Alabama. That's a hard game to win. And then you know we have a lot of hard games to play. Even if we end up being favored against Baylor, Oklahoma, TCU, Iowa State, Tech, there's a chance we lose two of those. So I would say nine and three. But what I will say about this Big Twelve conference is that. Last year, apart from TCU, and I guess you can say Kansas State, wasn't the strongest. TCU's losing all of their important starters, pretty much. They're, they're replacing them with good players, some Alabama transfers specifically, but this is not a team that's going to repeat their success this year, l- likely. They'll probably still be top of the Big 12 type team. To be fair, Bama transfers hasn't helped us that much. Yeah, but they're probably going to actually play. Probably. <laughs> yeah, um, real. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State. Losing Deuce Vaughn, it's a big backbone of their team. Losing, uh, I, I'm not going to say his name, the the defensive end whose first name is Felix. Yes. Um, yes. Very good player. That was um, good. That yeah, was smart. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't put myself in that <laughs> trap again. Um, <laughs> and apart from maybe Tech and Baylor, I don't see many teams really really getting a lot better. Oklahoma will get better. They, you know, they're not going to be three and six again next year and six and seven in total. Yeah. But I don't see many teams getting catapulting into what TCU did this past year, no. which is why I feel like, honestly, I don't think this team is going to lose at home this year at all. I think you were talking about the road schedule. Tech's the only trap game I see at home. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I think I think Kansas State could be hard, but I'm confident it's BYU, Kansas, Wyoming, Rice. Tech at the end of the year could be that 
final game that we just choke on. But either way, I think if this team goes nine and three, it's gonna be three road losses, or you know, one of them being to OU in, in Dallas. I agree. But either way, I think I think I'm gonna still stick to nine and three. But I would I would bet more that they're winning the Big Twelve more than anything. I think I'm more confident about winning the Big Twelve than I am ten and two. But either way, I think they'll win the Big Twelve. And I think that's I think that's exactly the right scenario because mm-hmm. at the end, you know, a, a team with three losses still won the Big Twelve this year. Yeah. And yes, they got demolished by Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, but still three losses. Like three losses is enough to get you to the title game. Yeah. And I I'm, I mean you're right. You know me. I'm always gonna be a little bit over <laughs> over anticipatory. Yeah. But man, I wish we hadn't moved the SEC this year because I told you when we first ever started the show, I said they're gonna go nine and three this season. I was off by what? Two games? One game? This one, year? one, yeah, because they lost their bowl game. Yeah, yeah, I was off by one this year. I said in 2023, they're winning the big, or they're making it to the Big 12 championship. And I said 2024, they're going to be playing for a chance to be a college football playoff team. I mean, you can call us delusional Texas fans, but he's kind of on the way so no, far. Like, there's, I see a program with a lot of opportunity. Yeah. I see a program no that question. just needs a leader now that Bijan Rojan Johnson are gone. But I like to think that Bijan Rojan are starting to support these guys, even as they're going throughout their NFL careers. Mm. The fact that Jordan Whittington's going to going back, people are forgetting. That's huge. This wide receiver core is going to be by far the best in the Big 12. Not even close. By far. Not TCU lost Quentin Johnson. Yeah. Bye. Marvin Mims is not playing in Oklahoma anymore. Hutchinson's right. leaving Iowa State. Yep. I mean, Xavier Worthy's already was in contention as the best Big 12 wide receiver, mm-hmm. had his struggles last year, but you're adding Adonai Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. yeah, Isaiah Nayor is coming back. We still have players like, you know. Savion Red, Savion Red to running back. There. Yep, that's an interesting one. That mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes because that's also a log jam. Um, and then you have guys like Jonte Cook coming in. Even, like, Brandon Thompson is going to get some snaps out there this year's season. Yeah. That wide receiver course is going to be DeAndre, great. DeAndre Moore. Yeah, Moore DeAndre as well. Moore. Like, yeah. There's so many guys There's so there. many names there, yeah. There's so much talent on this offense that it's honestly looking like a Steve Sarkeesian offense where mm-hmm. he's putting four guys out every single time, although he will do you know two running backs set quite often. Yeah. Or maybe he'll try to do it at dual tight end, who knows. But I feel like a lot of the times now that Ewers has had 18 months basically, let's call it, yeah, yeah 18 right. months to get ready in this Texas system, he's put on some muscle, he's finally had a full season of college football, his first season he's played in two years. Yep. This is the team that Sark's been trying to build. And this is He's got team. his guys. He's got his guys. I like to think that PK and Gary Patterson to keep this defense going. Um they surprised us. Yeah, they, yeah. they did. I was I was critical of PK before the year. I think we all were. Yeah. yeah. They I think if you us. if you had told Steve Sarkeesian by his second offseason that he would have a guy who was the number one overall recruit at quarterback, his backup also being the number one overall recruit, and a wide receiver core that consisted of these kind of players. And a top five tight end in the co- entire college football, and one of the best O lines in the Big Twelve, he would be ecstatic. This is exactly the team he wanted to build. This is, and he's done. I know, like we can say a lot about him as a coordinator. I saw, I saw this note too that I want to talk about now before we move on because I think it's a very good point. Georgia's offensive coordinator took an NFL job mm-hmm. today, and one of the um, just Longhorn insiders sent out this tweet, and I thought about it for a long time, and it honestly made a lot of sense. I, you know, we've been very critical about Steve Sarkeesian as a coordinator and a head coach. But the point being made was, if you're Arch Manning, you want to go somewhere where you know your coordinator is going to be there for three years. Yeah. You want to know where he's going to go, where he's not just going to leave for the NFL once he has success. And I think that's something about Sark that could potentially pay off in the long run, the fact that he's willing to do both. Hopefully he's able to give up 
a little bit to Tassar Choice mm. and our new wide receiver coach, whose name I'm slipping up on right now. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm blazing. Jackson, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. blanking on the name right now. Hopefully he's willing to give them a little bit, or maybe Gary Patterson will have some insight. But you just got to feel Sark's doing a lot right right now, and he's constantly working. This team has a hell of a recruit class coming in right mm-hmm. now. They've yeah. got a great class coming after. There is a lot to be excited about. Well, that's also why there's a lot to be critical about if it doesn't go well. So. I, I agree. I think, I mean, I, we always say three years for a coach to establish a program. Mm-hmm. I think at Texas it has to be accelerated because it is the Texas Longhorns yeah. football program. Well, it's, it's three years and then you get the hot seat. Yeah. And if, it, if this is a failure of a year, like if, it, if we're regressing back, then it might be time to think he's just not the coach. He's a recruiter, but he's not the coach. I think a failure for me is an eight-win season. I'd say I would say I'd say eight wins and he's still got his job, but anything below that and we're really yeah we're really thinking about other options because that that would be quite a failure if this team went from eight and five overall to seven and six or whatever it would be. Yeah. It would be a tremendous failure. Yeah, definitely. there there should be no reason for regression. I understand that you're losing a first round NFL draft pick, mm-hmm. but you have a very talented running back room. Yeah, it should not be happening. But you know, yeah, UT. Yeah, ten I and two, Mayhaps. I think that I think nine I think, I think we're all I think we're feeling the nine to ten right yeah. now. But we'll see you on December second at the Big Twelve Championship in eight. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and transition. We're gonna let Evan talk a little bit right here, and we're gonna jump into the NBA trade deadline. Now I know we covered Kyrie Irving. A lot happened after that. A lot happened after at that. about uh-huh. twenty minutes before the deadline ended, or like at midnight. Evan, go ahead and give us some of your ones, and let's get some feedback. Well, we've you know we've talked a lot about UT. Why don't we keep it going with Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns? I mean, this is the second team that, best Texas Longhorn basketball player of all time. Who are you putting first? Jared Allen. Okay, we're gonna move <laughs> past that. Um, I mean, blockbuster deal. One of the biggest trade deadline trades ever. Just yep. straight up right there, and the Suns team that looked like it was. Pretty much done over the hump. Chris Paul's old. DeAndre Ayton doesn't seem like he wants to play there. Devin Booker's good, but was he ready to lead this team to a championship this year? Probably not. Now you add in a top 10 being nice, like being being conservative player in the NBA and yep. coming to rant. One of the most naturally gifted scorers of all time, and he's still that good. Yep. And this is now, in my opinion, the favorites to be the team that gets out of the West. Uh, at least on paper, it should be. We don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs with Chris Chris Zero, Ring Paul, and uh, all that happens around it. But the Suns gave up a lot. They gave up Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, two of their most important role players. Yep. But like I said, role players. There's two starting forwards. Jay Crowder, who hadn't played a game for them all year. He's been traded around a lot. Uh, four first-round picks in the odd years, 23, 25, 27, 29. That's disgusting. And also a pick swap in 2028. 20, I believe it was that the Nets would get the better pick. So... No matter what happens after this year, the, the, the Suns are done. But if they get their title, it would all be worth it, which is why I think this move is, is good. It's, it's worth it because no matter what, this is a buy-all-in. We If we don't win this year, Chris Paul's old and getting close to retirement, not that good anymore. Kevin Durant might, might not come back. A lot could happen, but either way, you're giving yourself the best chance you've had since you went there, what was it, three years ago, mm-hmm. to win, and I think – this is one of the best teams just straight up in the NBA to compete with the Celtics and the Bucks. Yep. Uh, I agree completely, but you have a year on this. You have this season and okay, yeah. what, next season? That's right? fair. Is, yeah. all, is Chris Paul on retention for next I season? I do think he is. He, I'm pretty sure he is as well. The problem is, if this doesn't work out, you are going back to the Phoenix Suns of five years ago. Mm-hmm. If this does not work out. For one, you have now put yourself in calorie space hell. 
Yeah. Uh, as they are now $52 million over this year's cap space mm-hmm. with the absorption of Kevin Durant, who makes an obscene amount of money at $42 yeah. million a year. However, I agree with Evan. He is the most gifted scorer in the NBA. I'm not going to say now. I'm going to say ever. Okay. I, I think Kevin Durant is the purest scorer the game has ever seen. Um, I love KD. Um, he is a ring chaser. That's okay. Because he also provides tremendous value to the team. Yeah. And... You know, I don't know what's going on in Brooklyn because remember Kyrie said, I'm just glad he got out when they asked him <laughs> about the trade deadline. Who knows what's going on there? The Suns are going to take a little bit of a defensive drop off, though. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. For with sure. the loss of Johnson and Bridges, I think you're right that this is championship or bust. Yeah. Because you, because not only are they first round picks, they're unprotected mm-hmm. first round picks, basically meaning for those of our viewers that don't know, it doesn't matter. If it's the number one pick, or it's, it's going number to 32 pick, it's going to Brooklyn. No matter what. No matter what, they're getting that pick. So they went all in. And the new owner who just bought the team yep. went all in. I, I like the move because yeah. Golden State... I like it for both teams. I'll say that. I think Brooklyn needed that. Yeah. I agree. Golden State, there's a lot unknown now. Um, they did try to bring in some of their old guys, and they did try to get uh, rid of some of the dump-off, which we'll talk about more in a second. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think really realistically, as long as you can get through Dallas and Denver... This is a team that I'd say be in the NBA Finals. Well, I mean, I cannot. I would love as much as I want Nikola Jokic to to get more respect by winning a ring. Uh, nothing I'd love more than a Western Conference Finals of the Suns versus the Mavericks, KD versus Kyrie. That just that rematch of that game, and you know Booker and Doncic going at it again. Uh, that would be so fun to watch. Oh, and it would be because the stakes are already high enough because Dallas oh, yeah. beat Phoenix last year. In the yeah, playoffs. exactly. Like it's already there. That rivalry has already been born. They, they don't they don't like each other anyway, and now. A, Suns straight away, they're only likable players, let's be real. No, Chris Paul and Devin Booker at this point aren't the most likable people. Michael Bridges, everyone loved him, and now he's been in Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn now, you know, they have a team of a lot of just kind of, you know, no stars, just a lot of all right players, pretty good. You know, Dinwiddie's a pretty good point guard. They have a good forward lineup. Nick Claxton's still very good. Nothing that's going to be competing. So, I mean, the eyes are fully on the Suns right now, and like you said, there's going to be a bit of a defensive drop-off, but... With what KD gives you, it's just so unreplaceable yep. for any player. And, you know, they'll have a year, maybe two. That first first-round pick, they probably won't care about losing. It'll be, you know, high 20s. But by 2025, when these contracts are running out, Brooklyn is going to have a team where all they're built off of is, what, Devin Booker and maybe DeAndre Ayton? That's going to be... Even at, then, Ayton didn't even want to be yeah, in Phoenix until the straight happened. Yeah. So, the, the, at max, they're going to have Devin Booker for in the 2024-25 seasons. And if that's not even a thing, if he doesn't resign after 2024, then this will be a top five pick if, oh. it's, if they're based on the rest of their talent on their team because there isn't really much. There isn't. Yeah. No, there's not. And I did just confirm it. I did look. Chris Paul next year is guaranteed or partially guaranteed $15 million, Okay. But he's projected to carry a cap hit of 30. Mm-hmm. Booker next season carries a cap hit of $33 million, Yeah. And then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. They can't do anything. If this project doesn't work, he can leave next season. And why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he go to Milwaukee or a team like that that's competing after if you know his teams trade away all their assets? Absolutely. So. My my only question mark now is Kevin Durant. Unless he requests another trade, he's supposed to be in Brooklyn until he's thirty seven mm-hmm. or thirty eight. Well, and now Phoenix. Yeah, or in so. Phoenix now. Yeah. So KD, I mean, you got to think about yourself here. Are you, are you really going to request a trade for what, like the fourth time in your career, third time yeah. in your career? Yeah, I mean that's I, I wanted to bring up. I'm glad you kind of brought that up a, a little bit about KD's legacy because this is this is a player that is in that all time great discussion, but definitely in a tier below a lot of other players. I agree. And a lot of the criticism is that he couldn't win on his own. 
I'd say even though he requested trade and picked a team like the Suns, the Suns weren't so good like the Warriors were when he joined them that if he if he wins the ring this year, he should get a lot of credit for it, winning this ring. Because this is a team that wasn't going to win without him. And even though he's joining a team that is good, they are a good team. This isn't one where I feel like it's the Warriors where they already had three all-NBA players. Or, I mean, you know, Draymond Green, not really all-NBA. You know what I meant. But and, a defensive star. Yeah, and, yeah a, a star player and Hall of Famer and Draymond Green. And this is a team where, you know, Devin Booker is a very good player. Top 15 player in the, in the league. But really, yeah, I'd say top fifteen. I'm I'm, I'm fine with saying that. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're not we're not listing out fifteen players. I'm, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm going through my head though right now. Yeah, and yeah. like you know, Aiden and Chris Paul are very good players. You know, even fine to be your two twos and three, but that's might not win you a championship. So no. I I personally believe if he wins this ring, gets to two, and he does it by carrying this team, it will help his legacy a ton, and people will forget a little bit about the fact that he was you know seen as a ring chaser either couldn't win or went to the Warriors. This would help him a lot. So this, this is important this for him. This one means more than a Golden State ring. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this one sure. means way more than a Golden State ring. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I, I, if, if that's all you have left to say, we can move on to some of the lesser trades. Yeah, I would just say that... Yeah, I really think that's all you got to say, but I agree with you completely. Yeah. I think you have now 18 months to win a ring. Probably, mm-hmm. two, probably two chances. So you have this season and a full season next season, but you got to get it done. Yeah, definitely. Um... So some more trades that came off of this as well. Jay Crowder got traded to Milwaukee based off of this. Funny. The Nets got two seconds. One of the things you'll see about this trade deadline, a lot of second-round picks and, like, a large number, like, five second-round picks were traded twice, I want to say. Either way, Milwaukee got rid of some of their deadweight players like George Hill, Jordan Wara, Serge Ibaka. Don't call got, George Hill deadweight. He wasn't deadweight when he was on the Spurs, but now he's deadweight. <laughs> okay, yes. I don't want to hear it. Um, so he he's now in Milwaukee. Uh, one trade that is kind of interesting doesn't have that much of an impact, but the three team where uh, Matisse Thibel went to Portland, um, Jalen McDaniels to the Sixers. Thibel played really well last night. It would be Monday night for those listening. Uh, he, you know, he shot well from the three, played really good defense. Damian Lillard seemed to be happy with him, and McDaniels looked. It looks like he's going to be a good role player for the Sixers. But mm-hmm. I want Matisse Thibel to succeed because I really liked his vlog in 2020 when he was in the bubble. You're dumb. So You're dumb. I'm really happy he's on a different <laughs> team because. The Sixers were just not the team for him, and now he gets a chance to actually compete and you know vlog a little bit, <laughs> but also give more shots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're with Harden and Embiid, you're not you're not going to be a you're an after. Well, he was their eleventh man by the time they traded him, so Portland yeah. can put come in and put him as like their seventh man, and he can get shots off the bench like that and play alongside a guy like Damian Lillard, which is pretty fun if you're a wing defender because Lillard's not the best defender, and you can kind of. Get, get a chance to guard these really high-caliber players and show how good you are. And I, I'd say Portland's the one that wins best from this, too. Because yeah. Portland's still, like, they're in the middle of the, of the um, excuse me, they're in the middle of the Western Conference playoff race. Mm-hmm. So that's just going to help them tremendously. I mean, in general, Portland has some weird, you know, they, they make this trade, and then we'll talk about the one that's happening next. Uh, they, they make some weird decisions every trade deadline where you can't tell if they're trying to compete or not. At C.J. Um, McCollum's trade last yeah, season. Yeah, there's always a little bit odd with them, but... Another one that we're going to talk about is a little weird one. Uh, the James Wiseman, Gary Payton move, where four-team trade, Wiseman ended up in Detroit, gets a new beginning, just gets a chance to beat out Jalen Duren for that future starting center spot. Probably pretty good for his career. It wasn't going to work in, in Golden State. No. Uh, a lot of pressure on him, and he didn't live up to the expectations at all. That's fair to say. But also, he's got, he deserves another chance, so that's fine. Sadiq Bey to the Hawks, which in my opinion was the most underrated move of this offseason, or sorry, midseason. Uh, he's a very good player. 
pretty good scorer, can just come off the bench for them, and now they have a pretty deep bench, and they really only had to give up second-round picks mm -hmm. for him. That's not bad at all. Mm -hmm. And then Gary Payton ended up in Golden State. Portland got five second-round picks, like I hinted at earlier. Uh, and Gary Payton almost failed his physical. They were playing him while he was hurt to up his trade value, and Golden State almost completely you know, took away the deal because of it because they thought they were getting a healthy player, and now he might miss all the time until the playoffs. Right now it has officially gone through, though, and Payton is now back on the Warriors, and he will be ready for the playoffs in theory. But they turned the second overall pick from two years ago into Gary Payton, so it doesn't feel great, but at least you're getting some value. I Yeah, but, I mean, man, that's got to hurt if you're Golden State. Yeah. You really thought that, like, with Kaminga, Moses Moody, and James Wiseman, you had the future after Steph, Clay, mm -hmm. and Dre left. And Poole as well. Like, he was still yeah, going to be there. Yeah, and Poole, yeah, but, God, that hurts because you got nothing back for James Wiseman. No. You yeah, got you got a role player. You got robbed. Yeah. I'm surprised he really liked the Sadiq Bay trade that much. I think he's a pretty good player, and I think he doesn't have to start for them because they have DeAndre Hunter there, and right. he'll come off the bench, and if he can hit his threes, he will be very helpful in the playoffs. Okay. And Atlanta just need helps in the playoffs this year. Yeah. Because yeah. even after... They have also gotten rid of their future by turning into Dante Murray last year from the Spurs. Mm -hmm. They need all the help they can get because they are another team that is now in a win-now situation. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's fair. I, th I think they, they did need to make some moves, and it, it looks pretty quiet, and they did get at least Bay. Where, and they didn't also mortgage their future for it. They gave up seconds for him, so that's fine. Right. So you're okay, with, you're okay with losing seconds. Yeah, that's I, I, I really don't mind losing NBA second-round picks if you're a playoff team. It really does not matter. Um, then Mo Bamba went to the Lakers, another UT connection. God, I'm so happy. Uh, just, I also wanted to bring this up because <laughs> Patrick Beverly tweeted, like, let's go when D'Angelo Russell got traded to the Lakers, which we'll talk about <sighs> Don't later. Don't bring this up. This but, is so sad. And then he got traded to Orlando, which also happened to him last year, or sorry, in the offseason. Um, and it, I feel bad for the guy a little bit, but he was kind of pretty awful for the Lakers this year. And it was not working. Mo Bamba yes. is a pretty adequate center, but there's a log jam at center on the Magic. They bought out Beverly. They basically got a second for Bamba. You wish that Mo Bamba could have gone for more as a Texas fan, but I'm glad he's going to be on a team that hopefully is in the playoffs come come you know when it's playoff time. But he's could, a pretty good pickup, I'd say. I think they will. Um, it was interesting for me though that the Lakers chose to give up Thomas Bryant, yeah, to acquire Mo Bamba because now Mo in a Bamba, different trade, but it was it was kind of in the same idea, right? Because Bamba's gonna be getting you know he's gonna be getting rotational minutes. Mm -hmm. He's, he's getting, taking those minutes. Fully. He's gonna be getting those minutes. And Bryant was actually doing a solid job uh, this year for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. That'll be interesting for me to well, see how their lineup. One changes. thing I will give you with that is that as a guy who watched Thomas Bryant in Washington when he was there in this early part of his career, uh, he cannot defend at all. Like mm -hmm. he is really soft under the paint. And I think the Warriors just were like, or sorry, excuse me, the Lakers. They were saying, you know what, we need a rim defender. Mobamba is that, if anything, and you at least get that on your team, even though you don't fully get a lot of scoring, but in the playoffs, do you need scoring alongside Davis and LeBron? Not that much. So, you know, I, I think it's fine that they traded him to Denver. Okay, okay. Um, now, a couple ones I want to talk about. Um, I know that we mentioned the John Wall one, uh, not yeah. too much. Uh, probably, I think one, I, I, I'm i going to say it's probably going to be the end of John Wall's career in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, really unfortunate. For a yeah. guy that's the number one pick that got hampered by injuries. Because mm -hmm. he was so good in Washington. I love, it was my favorite player for a while. Yeah. And just overall, just the injury drop-off. Uh, I want to talk about Russ in one second as well. Mm -hmm. Going to the Utah Jazz. Um, just exploring the Lakers really in depth, actually. Because yeah. there's a lot going on with the Lakers. The Spurs traded their big man, Casper the Friendly Ghost, Jakob <laughs> uh who was actually just one of the most consistent defensive players that the San Antonio's had over the last three years. 
It was just like a really, really bad version of Tim Duncan. All yeah. he could do was dunk and block and get boards, and that's all we needed. Yeah. Uh, we weren't winning, didn't matter. We got rid of Josh Richardson. We were unable, or we were able to unload quite a lot. Now, overall, and you guys got picks for that as well. Which we is great. got a lot of picks. I'm not going to go to the depth into it, but I'm going to read off to you what San Antonio now has for the future, as they are now second worst team in the NBA. Uh, so yeah, cur- currently, riding, the Rockets. currently riding a 12-game losing streak. Oh, my God. It's pretty rough. Yep. Uh, San Antonio has a 2023 first-round pick from Charlotte. That's going to be nice. That if, is going to be... As, if they make the playoffs, that's the problem. Yeah, so it's protected for that season, but it's only 1-14 to 14 in 2024, mm-hmm. and it's 1-14 to 14 2025, and then we obviously you are probably going to have a top-four pick this year from ourselves. Yeah, from themselves. We've got two second-rounders coming in, both off of trades in 2024. We have... Toronto's first rounder that's only protected through the sixth pick. Yeah, which is important. That's, that's probably not a team that will go all the way down to a bottom six team, but you could expect them to maybe miss the playoffs next year just barely, and that'd be a top 12 pick. I see. I could honestly, I see Toronto making the playoffs next year. I don't see a huge drop off happening, so I really think we're going to get that pick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have the Lakers 2024 second. Now, this one is what I'm really excited for the 2025 and 2026. We have an unprotected Atlanta first rounder. And then we have a Chicago that's only projected through the first 10 in 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, although there might be a drop off there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we have Chicago's 2025 second, Toronto's 2025 second. And then we have a pick swap with Atlanta, trading to take the better of the two. And then in Indiana's 2022nd as well. Yeah, and that's a lot of picks in two years. Uh, San Antonio actually netted, I believe it was seven picks after this trade deadline. God, that's crazy. They are a team that's building themselves for the future, and we are also now going to have the second most cap space in the NBA heading into this offseason. Good for you guys. Yeah. Not, not a team that we hear a lot about this, this season, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I like that little rundown. I wanted to just mention that. A lot of people are always saying the Spurs, they're, just, they're never going to come back. Our GM's doing the right thing. He's unloading mm-hmm. veterans. Last year we turned Thaddeus Young into our first-round pick. I can't believe that. I think we're going to be able to unload Doug McDermott next season for our first-round mm-hmm. pick. San Antonio's doing what they got to do. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's that's fair, and that's that's what you need to do as a rebuilding team that's not in the hugest market is get as many picks as possible. Hope that, you know, if you're drafting 15 players in three years, then hopefully two of those guys turn into stars, and that's the way you do it. Yep. Um, uh, you know, we talked a little about the Lakers. We're going to go back to them. We probably should have already talked about this, but – that D'Angelo Russell <laughs> trade, yeah. uh, that got them Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt from Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota got Conley back from the Jazz, a few other role players, some seconds, and then Utah got a 2027 first from the Lakers, and Russell Westbrook, who got bought out and is now a free agent. Uh, pretty great move for the Lakers, in my opinion. Yeah. Didn't give up much, basically gave up Westbrook in a first and got three players that will positively impact your team in the playoffs. Positively for sure. Yeah. Positively I mean, this sure, yeah. Malik Beasley is a, a, a great shooter. Jared Vanderbilt's really good on the defensive and and defensive side and the rebounding side. Diesel Russell now is your third best scorer, and though he didn't really work out well in Minnesota, was still averaging around 20 points a game, so that's a good player to have. Minnesota, uh, they get Mike Conley, who knows how to play with Rudy Gobert, and you could see that last night when they were playing. They actually you know played well together, which is... Not something Rudy Gobert has been able to do with his point guard all season. So, pretty good move for Minnesota. And the Jazz get a first-round pick for some players they didn't really care about that much. So, overall, pretty good deal for all three teams. I would say a good deal for all three teams. I would say the only one who got screwed was Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Now, it actually, it's not an official buyout. Okay, it's not official yet. Allegedly, he's going to sit out through the NBA um, All-Star break. Gotcha. Take some time to figure out. Because he also is guaranteed $47 million Mm -hmm. this season. Yeah. So... Yeah. I would assume there'd be something like, you know, L.A.'s paying for the majority of that, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. 
Yeah. LA could, I think they could potentially pull themselves into the into playing, you know, as the 10 seed. Um, yeah. I forgot what they call it now. The playing tournament? The playing tournament. I could see the LA forcing themselves into the playing yeah, tournament. Yeah, 9, 10 seed, that's, and beating a 7 and 8 seeds aren't, that isn't that hard. It's San Antonio really was a 10 seed last year. It's, yeah. It's really doable, guys. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's possible. Um, and they're also playing in a division where two of their teams are really bad, and yeah. two two teams are also just kind of you know sinking down and trying to tank a little bit more. So this should be a team that should rise up and make their appearance known at least a little bit in the playoffs, even if it doesn't work out. I don't agree with you about Minnesota, though. I think that's good that they got some help. I just think they're just so... They're just, it's going to take them so much to recover from the Rudy Gobert trade. Yeah. That they're just trying to do whatever they can now because they have Cat and Anthony Edwards. At least at least they're trying, though. you like, got to give them that. They are trying, but, yeah. I mean, you gotta feel you got to feel for Cat and Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cat has missed a majority of the year with injury, or a lot of the games, I believe over 30. But he is he is great when he's healthy. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Minnesota's got to figure out something because Rudy Gobert is going to be your base problem in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he can't contribute on the offensive end and you're playing two big men, it's going to be rough for, like, playing against teams like, you know, the Nuggets who have a big man who can just... Or the now yeah. Phoenix Suns. Yeah, or, now, or <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But like, yeah, playing against a team, if you're, if you're that late in the... If you're going to be, like, a 7 seed or an 8 seed, you're going to have to play one of those two really good teams. So that yeah. might be really rough. Uh, Westbrook has, if he does get fought out, has been tied a lot to the Bulls, mm-hmm. which... I I, I kind of I don't hate that. Oh, I just feel bad for Bulls fans because their their big three is not really a big three. It's just not that impressive, and they're also just struggling a lot. And now their point guard position has been so weak between Ball being out for the year, Dasunmoon, Kobe White not being great, that Russell Westbrook is their best option right now. So it's just gonna be a tough road for them as a team, and we'll see what happens in Chicago because they didn't really do anything. Same with the Heat, who got a lot of flack for it, did nothing at this trade deadline. One team that made a weird move. Uh, the Nuggets, they traded uh, Bones Highland for just two second-round picks, which mm-hmm. they, Bones Highland was a really, really high-level backup point guard. I mean, yeah. one of the – probably a top three backup point guard in the league and really young and also, you know, shows that he could probably be better than that. And the Clippers kind of just got him for nothing. I, the reason for it was that he's had a lot of clashes with Jamal Murray. Him and Murray do not get along, and he's wanted to have a bigger role, and Murray's not been able, like, you know, willing to give it to him, which is fair if you're Jamal Murray, but – I, I hope Highland does well on the Clippers. Oh, absolutely. Th- that's, I mean, they just got gifted a future player, which they didn't really have any future players in the roster apart from Man. So now their starting lineup looks a little bit better. Even if even if Highland's not a starter, it's still an improved team giving up that little for him. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I actually didn't really know too much about the Murray Highland thing, so I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that because I don't know if I'm Denver's GM. Jamal Murray's missed quite a lot of time of his NBA career with injury. Yeah, his his ceiling is slightly lower than other NBA point guards. I that's interesting to me that you're willing to give up a young a young potential not superstar but a young star. Yeah, at least at worst a young very good player. Yeah, uh, it is weird. I think it's just that you know if you're in title contention right now, you're the number one seed, you know second yeah. best team in the NBA right now. Even though you just saw that you know Kyrie and KD just got traded to your division, you have to go for that uh, yeah. that championship. And if there's a bench player who is like hampering one of your starters' ability, you have to get rid of them, even if it's you know, even if you're getting kind of scammed for it. Yeah. So I agree. Well, I think that might do it for our NBA trade deadline, and I think we're just gonna head right into Cam, Cam Reddish got moved. Yeah. I mean, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Least no. important player in the NBA. Sorry, Cam. Wow. Um, wow. He's like not good at basketball. I'll just say it. Yeah. Um, he was a high draft pick though. Wasn't yeah, he? he was. He was. Yeah. What was he when he was drafted? He, he was. Really up there. I want to say eighth, yeah. seventh or eighth. Yeah. It was just a product being from Duke, pretty much. 
Uh, well, we are gonna go to the Super Bowl. Haven't even talked about it. Yeah, that happened this weekend. Um, we've just been a lot going on in sports recently, and uh, you know, I think this is one of the more entertaining Super Bowls, in my opinion. I'd love to hear just kind of your overall thoughts on the game. You know, Chiefs obviously won 38-35. Some interesting calls at the end. Uh, some interesting commercials. Big halftime show. What was your thoughts on it? All right. Quick little 30 second recap. You ready? As soon as it hits 48 minutes, I'm going. Halftime show. Mid. Rihanna, pregnant. Awesome. I took Chiefs money line and the, and the over. Big dub. Lock of the week. Right Locked there. In, baby. Juju Smith, hilarious. <laughs> All right. Love him. He's so funny. 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Okay. Um, overall, Eagles were better than I thought they were. Hmm. Jalen Hurts is better than I thought he was, and I apologize oh, to him for yeah. that. Oh, he, yeah. He played very well. Okay. Jalen Hurts had such a fantastic game, but the better team won. Yeah. I'm fine with saying that. I, I, I am, I'm all right with saying that. I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. James Bradbury had that hold on uh, on Juju near the end of the game that pretty much, it didn't straight up secure them the win, it but the, the, win. The, next, the next play secured them the win. And, uh, you know, I, uh, Jarek McKinnon had a great little run that you put them on the one-yard line. He stopped instead of getting a touchdown, made them make a field goal, and by that point the game was over. But the Bradbury holding call, what I'll say is that I think the more I look at first – I thought it was bad. I thought it was a bad call. The more I looked at it, I think what I'll say is that it was a soft call, probably the right call, but it didn't. It's one of those things where it didn't feel like it affected that the route that much. It didn't seem yeah, like it was. It did Yeah. It was that. Di- so I, I was just the reason I was a little bit upset just as a spectator with it is that I didn't think the call was that great. It seemed like they were giving a lot of leeway to calls, not specifically holding, but just a lot of calls in general yeah. most of the game. And then, you know, I don't want to be the guy that says you can't call that in the fourth quarter because you should call the same calls in the first as you do in the fourth. Absolutely. But they weren't always calling the same calls. So I, I just wish I wish it wasn't decided by that, pretty much. I agree, because at the end of the day, we can argue all we want. It was decided by that. Yeah. That's, that yeah, that that's basically fair. solidified yeah. it. Um, however, I do think that I noticed throughout the game that Shepard's crew was very aggressive with defense. Mm-hmm. Offense, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like offense benefited greatly yeah, that's more what from Shepard's crew. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't surprised that that play happened. I wasn't surprised that that hold went through. Do I agree with it? Because, yes, I understand. Um, I hate saying it, too, but I really do feel like if it is that competitive of a game, you got to let the guys play. Obviously, you know, it wasn't as bad as the 2018 NFC Championship. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. Because that was still the worst call ever in NFL history. But with the way that Shepherd's crew was officiating that game, I'm not surprised that play happened. Yeah, or I'm not surprised that penalty was called. Yeah. Do you know by chance how many penalties were in that game? Oh, I. It would take a second of research, so you're gonna have to talk while yeah, I research. I, oh, I can happily do that. Um, guys, you should definitely check out that play. That was definitely something to make note. Like Evan said, that was. I personally thought that was the best Super Bowl we had gotten. Nine total penalties. Nine total penalties. So not that many. Not many. Yeah. That's a pretty clean game, actually. Yeah, I just yeah. felt like they were pretty aggressive. Yeah, one, one big thing was that there was only one actual sack all game. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, ran the ball out of bounds, just one yard behind the line, and they were like, "Oh, that's the first sack of the game." And Shout then out there the was Chiefs only O-line. yeah, and then there was only one more, but neither of them were on Kansas City, which is a big thing. Chiefs O line was crazy, huge, thing and that's why that's why you invest in O line. This is a team that had a bad O line last year, and then they brought in guys like Orlando Brown, Joe Thune, made some Andrew Wiley even, and. It showed. It's they saw they they took a very good front seven and completely alleviated their pressure. Absolutely, and that was it was crazy. You know who was frustrated? Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, who yeah. has just been very vocal about how he felt the the fields were poor, which and is fair. Mm-hmm. I honestly, 
They were slipping a lot. Okay, but also, there wasn't injuries. Natural grass is good for natural grass is good for athletes. Natural grass is in general good, but that natural grass is not good <laughs> for eight hundred k. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, for yeah. eight. They, oh, for those of you who don't know, the uh, NFL spent two years growing this field for this game and spent over eight hundred thousand dollars doing it. Yep, and it was just a little slippery. Slip. I'm actually going to go ahead and say it. I thought this was the best Super Bowl. I would say maybe Niners Chiefs. This, for me, in my opinion, is the best one I've seen since the Eagles Patriots. Yeah, I was. I completely agree. Yeah, same same exact thing. I was thinking. I think it was competitive the whole game. There wasn't times where I felt like bored during it, Mm-mm. except for the commercials. I did not like the commercials this year, but yeah, that's exactly. that's kind of not. I like that commercial where they were like, "JC is king." JC forgives. The oh, Jesus, the Jesus yes, commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with a bunch of friends. They were like, JC, JC. That's me. That's you. That's that, you. That he forgives. Me. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, either way, I mean, I, it was it was overall like you said. I think the Chiefs had a more complete team this game because I want to talk about the Eagles running game because that was awful. Miles Sanders looked completely irrelevant. Kenneth Gainwell wasn't really in the game Rip very your much. Playoff call. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I, I'd said more Devonta Smith, and he was better. So. He he was good. Their passing game was good. And like I said, and like like I'll give you, Hertz played better than I thought he would. He played really well, and that was one of the better quarterback matchups we've seen in the last five years. So, uh, props to them. But that running game was bad, and the secondary got a bit exposed. I mean, this is not a fantastic wide receiver group, but you saw two of the exact same plays just on different sides of the field had Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore scoring touchdowns. So it's yeah. just not the most. It was not the most complete game from the Eagles team, and that's I think why they lost because. Their passing game was great. They weren't bad against the run. They, you know, holding Patrick Mahomes to 38 points in a shootout of a game is not awful, but it, it could have been better. And it shows that the defense probably is what's going to be focused on in the offseason with their free agents and overall just how they played. Agreed. I just think the problem is that this team did still have a good amount of old guys on there. Mm-hmm. There were still old guys making contributions to the Eagles. So I think you're going to lose. You're going to lose on that. And they've yeah. already lost both their offensive and defensive coordinator. Crazy. Steichen went to the Colts, their offensive coordinator, and then uh, Gannon's gone to the Cardinals. Oh, good uh, luck to with the that, team. Yeah, I mean, feel bad or for no, Kyle no, Murray. No, 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 head, head coach. Head coach. Sorry, sorry. I no, you're good. No worries. Um, I just think that, sure, 38 points, yeah, whatever, that's impressive. But also, Patrick Mahomes re-injured the ankle. Yeah. And he, that high ankle in the first half at the very end, and then he came out, and it was like watching God play. Like, Mahomes was, was just... fine. <laughs> it was... This is obscene for that good of an Eagles defense to have 21 of 27 for 182 yards and three touchdowns for a rating of 131.8. Mm-hmm. That's obscene. And Patrick Mahomes was just dissecting them. Like, in the first half, the amount of times Travis Kelsey, his route running, is obviously one of the best in the game. Oh, yeah. But the amount of times Travis Kelsey was just open in zone coverage was pretty crazy. It was, it was a lot. It and, was a little too much. And then, like you said... It didn't get better when they went into man, no. because Eric Bieniemy, <laughs> who deserves a head coaching job, don't, don't know how he hasn't gotten one yet. That is still the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That Eric Bieniemy, that does not have a head coaching job, he and Andy Reid found a play that the Jaguars ran like all the way back in like week four or something yeah. like that about a jet sweep versus man coverage, and how the Eagles would drop back and they try to send a guy into the actual middle of the field, and they expose them. Twice for walking touchdowns in the, mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. Same exact play, just flipped to a different side of the field. It was it was, it was so beautiful. funny to watch. Yeah. It was beautiful. Because I remember when I saw it, I was like, did that like already happen? It was almost mm-hmm. like a deja vu moment. It was like, well, yeah, exactly. That's it was what they had. Uh, something I want to ask about is, 
which of these teams is more likely to get back next year? And if if, if you don't say either, where, where are these teams going to be next year? Oh, KC. Mm-hmm. KC, yeah, like, as much as people hate it, Mahomes is now on a Tom Brady trajectory. Oh, yeah. Tom Mahomes is now officially in a league of his own. Five straight years in the AFC Championship, two and one in the Super Bowl. And he did it with his, one could argue, his worst season of weapons. Oh, not, um, not even close. Not, uh, at least not when they're contending for the Super Bowl. Yeah. At least not when they're contending. Isaiah Pacheco is going to have some career. It's going to mm-hmm. be something in KC. You still got Travis Kelsey for a few more seasons. Uh, people seem to be excited about Tooney, uh, who I was just overall impressed by. He had that well good of a game considering how New York treated him and how quickly they dumped him. Mm-hmm. That was awesome to see him return that punt yeah, all that the way down inside great. the 10. That was awesome to see for Tooney and for a guy that New York had given up on, so I didn't really see him being a huge part of the KC offense. Yeah, but then he had a touchdown, too. Yeah. But KC's got, if they get like another like star wide receiver somehow. Somehow. I, <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? You're competing with Burrow every year, and you're competing with the Bills, and that's really, we don't know what's going on with the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, other teams will eventually start to make their way back up. But, I mean, KC's got... They've got Patrick Mahomes. They signed him to a 10-year deal, what, two seasons ago? I believe so, yeah. It was two seasons ago. You've got Patrick Mahomes for at least a minimum eight more years. This is the next dynasty of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And this quarterback, if he keeps playing like he will do, he will be up there. In the next five, six years, we'll be saying, is this guy better than Brady? Yeah, I mean, it, he's definitely, like you said, he's he's getting on his way. It, it's the first guy in Brady's career that's felt like he's getting on the way to Brady. And I mean, he's about he, to surpass Manning. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. he's already got, you know, the Super Bowls. He's got the MVPs. He's got his stats back him up. His play is just – his play is different than any quarterback's ever played in a good way. And he just makes plays that you've never seen. And he's just exactly what Kansas City needed, and he is what the NFL needed because they kind of needed a, a next generation once, you know, Brady is now retired, Rodgers is about to be on that way out, Breeze and Manning are long gone, Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger's out, sorry. I missed you. <laughs> But now we have, you know, him, Burrow, Allen, Hurts now I have to put Jackson in Jackson, even kind of. Yeah. Lamar, yeah. At, you know, at least he's won an MVP. Uh, Herbert could be on the way. Trevor Lawrence on the way. There's just a lot of people. and Andy Dalton. Yeah, Andy Dalton, definitely, for sure. Definitely uh, easy that yeah, out. For sure. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I think the Chiefs are going to be the better team next year. Like you said, this team is not even that amazing on paper. They have a really good O-line, Mm-mm. really good quarterback, very good defensive line in front seven. But there's not... That skill position is is a little bit it's a little bit shaky, and they still succeeded so well with it. So even if they, if they add to it, it's going to get better. And I don't think they're losing that much in the offseason where you can be like, oh, this team's going to not go back and, and just dominate the West and then yeah. dominate the playoffs. I will say the Eagles will have an easier time and an easier chance to get back next yeah, year, definitely. Because you know, Cowboys they're always relevant, but I don't. Same with the Vikings. I don't know if they're going to be real competitors. The 49ers. Who knows what's going to be their quarterback situation next year? It's and not after Jimmy that, G, we know that. Yeah. Yeah, and after that, unless Lamar goes to a team like the Lions, I don't even know what team could possibly be in that conversation. So I think the Eagles, if you gave me a, ch- a statistical chance, probably would be higher. But if you want a team to win the Super Bowl, I'd say the Chiefs. I agree completely. I mean, yeah, the Eagles could definitely be back next year. Mm-hmm. But if I'm talking five, six years, I'm taking Casey. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'll give you that. The Eagles have. I think they have maybe like a three-year window right now. Unless they keep adding veterans and they draft well. However, I'm not worried about that because they do have – they are the best in the NFL drafting talent. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And a they lot have of, draft picks too. And, is the big, that's the big problem with yeah. that statement is that they, they've got some, some teams draft picks. 
Yeah. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they have a top 10 pick this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like Evan said, or we talked about this last week. I think it matters even more now that the majority of this roster is drafted. This team isn't brought in by free agents. The majority of this team has been drafted. and At least on the offensive side, at the very least. But yeah, even least a lot of defense side. as well. So that's another point to make. But, yeah, Philly, um, I'm going to give your hats off. Tremendous season. Uh, I have called you frauds repeatedly throughout the season. But you you showed me, like, not that it matters. They don't even know who I am. But uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts is a hell of a quarterback. And I will give that to him. And I think he will be back in the Super Bowl one day. I don't know when, hmm. but I think that guy deserves to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, at this point, he's, he's probably shown that. I, um, I want to know extremely early Super Bowl prediction for next year. F, okay. <laughs> um, extremely early. Remember that. So, like, we haven't even had the offseason yet. So Yeah, but that's just how ESPN moves to. Yeah, yeah. ESPN um, did the same thing. Let's go... Yeah, let's go Chiefs Niners. I'm going to say this the exact same two teams. That'd be sick. I really think we're in a spot where the NFC is so weak, top to bottom. So bad. That, so that, bad. You know, There's three teams in the NFC. I mean, like like, like we were going to say, the Cowboys and Vikings will look good next year. The yeah. Lions may be a bit on the come up. Yeah, but the Vikings have Kirk Cousin under center. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, even the Seahawks might be a little bit on the come up. But in general, you're only really looking at the Eagles and, especially now Brady's gone, and the 49ers. And, 49ers just have more question marks on their team, so I think I'm more confident in the Eagles. So, and then, then also we just talked about the Chiefs, and you're extremely valid in saying that. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I think the Chiefs are the best team right now in the AFC. They've obviously shown they're the best team in the league. So, unless something major happens to Bills, Bengals, or even the Chiefs in the negative way, I think this is going to be the favorite coming into next year. God, that'd be such a sick Super Bowl next year too. Yeah, a little repeat. I usually yeah. don't like repeats, but I like I, I like the two te- I don't like the Eagles as a team, but these are fun teams to watch. Yeah. And uh, I was actually uh, watching the game with an Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. It was hilarious. She was really sad. I got really intoxicated. Yeah. Her mom called her crying. It was funny. Yeah, sorry, Grace. Sorry, Grace. Uh, <laughs> no, JK. Grace's family is awesome. I love them so much. They were all, like, all sport out across Philadelphia. It was That's hilarious. Funny. Like, they were all, like, texting her and snapping her and calling her. It was awesome to see. One Great. of my one of my friends lives in Philadelphia, and he was uh, he goes to school there, and he he was fearing for his life because of the oh, amount, yeah. of, amount of stuff before the game, the amount of stuff that was going out in the street. It's heinous. And then after, I mean, it just it's bad. It's heinous. I told her, I was like, Grace, I know it sucks, but you guys always put on some of the most competitive, entertaining Super Bowls. Yeah, the Philadelphia fair. Eagles are always competitive. They're having fun. Them. They have fun ones. That's true. They they are a good one. Um, I would make the argument now that. The Chiefs, as long as they're the Darlings, I'm less concerned about the Super Bowl, but who's making it out next year, Buffalo or Bengals? Who's getting the honor to face Patrick Mahomes? Because honestly, I think the Bengals are surpassing the Buffalo. It's probably just going to – no, I guess they would – If it's probably going to ride on more if one of the teams doesn't play the, the Chiefs. Yeah, in the I know, round. but like, like, hypothetically. If I had to say, I'm more confident about the Bengals. Agreed. I was this year, and I don't think that's going to change for me. Uh, the Mixon thing is a little weird. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but in you general... Just get another yeah, they could just get another running back. Yeah. Um, but in general, I think the Bengals can beef up their O-line easier than the Bills can make up for their mis- like their problems on their team. I mean, the, 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 the Bills really need a, another option on offense. Diggs is the only player on that offense that's not Josh Allen. 
Dawson Knox is a role player. Devin Singletary is not good. James Cook is not very good. He said he, it all year, boys. Gabe, Gabe Davis, not good. Sorry, Gabe Davis fans. No, I, I drafted him in fantasy. I agree. Yeah, no, no, yeah. He's, he's a deep threat. But this is a team that needs another wide receiver, maybe even draft a tight end, maybe draft a running back. But it's an awful wide receiver class Bichon. in general. Maybe Bijan. <laughs> but they, they need offensive help, and their defense isn't amazing. I think they're more likely to regress next year than the Bengals are. I like that. That was a good take. This is like oh. our third fist bump of this episode. We've we, been fist bumping a lot. It's just something about the studio, man. Yeah, the studio. And, guys, we've been free flowing. We've been talking straight for an hour. I have class in eight minutes. Oh, no. Evan, it's let's true. just go ahead and do it, though. Like, I'm already emulating. Okay. Right? I've accepted it. Let's go ahead, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Top eight Super Bowls. Our Super Bowl halftime show performances. Um, heads or tails? Tails. Wait, pull out your phone. Now. Okay. Guys, we're going to do heads or tails. Siri right now. We're going to do heads or tails. Siri, heads or tails. It's heads. It's heads. So I you have the first pick. pick. I have the first pick in the um, in the draft. Okay. Um, let's see. With my first pick in the Super Bowl halftime show, I know the audio was terrible. Uh, I understand that, and I get that. But for some reason, it was just so epic to me. I'm going to go to the Black Eyed Peas at the AT&T Stadium. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going straight away. It could have been longer, but the, the last year's Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blides. That one was just so fun. That was a pretty good the, one. In L.A., too, That I'm, I'm taking that one. I like that. That's a good one. Um, third, I'm going to go ahead and do... I'm going to do Katy Perry's. Dang it. I wanted to take She that only one. had straight bangers. Yeah. Only straight bangers yeah. in that one. Left I, Shark, too. Left Shark. What a great meme. Four, the Lady Gaga show. The Just drones, the, the drones, the her being like thousands of thousands of, <laughs> of feet in the air and jumping down. I, that was just cool. Oh, yeah. Lady Gaga, that's iconic. Yeah, no, that was a great one. Um, <laughs> We're speeding through this. Let's go. You're gonna hate give this one. Oh, my, no. my fifth one is. Uh, <laughs> let me give you the exact one. I just think there was so much chaos going on, and I just thought it was so funny. You're also, doing that one. The worst one I'm going with is Justin Timberlake's one in Minnesota. Okay, sure. That was, I can't even remember that one, so. I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing while he looks this up. I, I've been spoiled it now. My little giggle. <laughs> Where was this one at? Oh, the Raven James one back, like, way back. This was in 2001. Yeah, this is the one way back. I'm going to go the Aerosmith NSYNC halftime show. With appearances from Mary J. Blige, <laughs> Britney Spears, and Nelly. Nelly. <laughs> what a heinous group of people. Because when they were, do- I think, when they were doing Walk This Way, <laughs> it was the funniest thing on earth. It was hilarious. It was awesome. So I'm going that one, number four. I'm going number three. I had to look up who no, all five, three of five, five, so you're six now. So six, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the mashup of the century... Bruno Mars, Beyonce, Coldplay, and Super Bowl 50. Just three great artists, you know what I'm saying? Okay, as much as I want to give that to you, um, I'm not emo, so I don't like Coldplay. Um, so you don't have to be emo to like Coldplay. I think Coldplay is a bad band. I mean, um, they have some bad songs. Yeah. I, but it, for a Super Bowl, it's cool. It's fine. It's cool. So, But instead, I'm taking the better one, uh, the better of those, number seven. Mashups. It should be six instead, though. The Bruno Mars, his independent performance, where he came out to uh, playing the drums. Though. Oh, that was cool. At MetLife Stadium. That was cool. I think it was like 2010 or something like that. That's mine. I remember that one, yeah. Bruno Mars, he gives hope to me because, you know, guys like me, guys, y'all don't know, Bruno Mars is 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> That's what you're bringing People up. don't know that, but for short guys like me, he's he gives us hope. Um, <laughs> For sure, man. Uh, I'm going to give a little honorable mention because 
I don't remember the Prince one. You're an I never seen You're it. You're an idiot. But people for this. say tell me it's so good, but I've never seen it, so I'm not gonna say it. Like, you know, oh, I'm not gonna do that one. I just want to. Okay, I looked. God, okay. I looked up Travis Scott Super Bowl because I couldn't remember which who the weird act he was with. Travis Scott and Maroon Five did one together. That's hilarious. Like that's just so funny. I feel like there was also another Atlanta group that was there too. Big Boy. Big Boy was there. Big yeah, boy. yeah. I like when they had um, SpongeBob with the trumpets. That that that's why I was almost gonna pick it, yeah. but um. Eight, I'm thinking, I'm not going to put this Rihanna one, but her set list was top five. I agree. Because Rihanna, I mean, she's got way too many hits, and she played the best song. But she put, um, she should have brought out an artist. Yeah. She should have yeah, brought out an Yeah, probably. Yep. Uh, and um, and the, the weird choreography. I'm going to say The Weeknd's. I really liked The Weeknd's oh, one. Oh, that was a great. That one was really good. Was, I forgot the, about with it. With the kind of weird mirror thing, hit the bandage stuff he was doing back when he dropped After Hours, I think. I think it was After Hours, yeah. Good album. Big fan of Heartless. So, um... Yeah, I think that's it. I think that was actually a great pick. Yeah. That was a fantastic pick. That's the first time you ever complimented one of my picks. Yeah, it has because <laughs> they're usually bad. You okay. want to Coldplay. <laughs> Y'all, that would do it for I here. pick it for Coldplay. I picked it for Beyonce. Anyway, that will do it for us here today on the 40-yard line. Y'all, audio's going to be a lot more crisp. Hopefully. Fist bumps are going to be fisting. Oh, yeah. We're going to be rocking. Um, and rolling. And, and rolling, as the oh, kids yeah. would say. It is... Quite a time to be alive for the 40. Uh, once again, go ahead and give us a shout-out this week. Uh, I'll send, we'll send out something on our 40-yard line on Spotify as well. We'll post it up on Instagram to give you a chance to listen to our thoughts on the SEC move for Texan overtime. Uh, we can't endorse ourselves over there, but we can always endorse the 40 on oh, the 40. Oh. <laughs> Remember to always keep sharing us with your friends. Um, guys, really proud of this episode. That was actually such a fun episode. So insightful. So thoughtful. So, so NBA. Insightful. So great. So, so great. Um, if you haven't looked it up, it is Valentine's Day. Go look up Juju Smith, Juju Smith Schuster's Valentine's card. It's hilarious. It's about James Bradbury. It's awesome. Check it out. I'm gonna sign off. I'm gonna log off for myself, Jacob Campos. I'm heading out. And thank you as always for listening. Thank you for your support. I mean, that that's that's just one of the classic Jacob Campos outros that I always feel bad about following up on because I don't know what I want to say. Um, follow me on Twitter. How about that? As Evan V. Uh, if you don't know how to spell it, it's probably you know, on our 40 yard line somewhere. Um, yeah, but follow, I need some Twitter followers. Uh, and, uh, you know, just if Valentine's Day was today. I hope you had a very good Valentine's Day. If you're single, I hope you didn't. Um, and in, just in general, he just high fiving for that one. Um, in general, you know, just have a very good week. I, I'm, I'm setting myself off. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm going for a more self-centered, a little bit like a, a, a me week this week. And uh, I, I just, I just want to, you know, feel good, feel like the best me this week. And how better than just doing the 40 yard, 40 yard line podcast? Okay. And the best thing is that I'm saying stupid stuff right now, but most people stop listening by now, so it's probably fine. It's probably fine. Yeah. So either way, I think that does it for us. Uh, you know, Jacob had a great outro. I had a bad one, as usual. Um, <laughs> either way, thanks so much for listening, guys. Of course, we'll have the Texan Overtime out some point this week, and we'll be sure to tell you guys about that. And apart from that, I think we're all done. That's Bruno Mars locked out of heaven. That's good to know. Yep. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>